if you're joining with us today, we are continuing on our series around rethinking freedom. Uh, to me, this, this whole series is timely because I think every one of us, it, it's a cry of the human heart to be free, to live without restrictions, to have no restraint or, or no limitations, to, to be able to do what we want when we want. Uh, this is the human heart's desire. You know, we, we see it in our songs. Some of you might remember that, that timeless classic by Frank Sinatra, I Did It My Way. You know, that's the cry, I did it my way. You know, and then Billy Joel came uh, across a couple of years later, so this is a little more contemporary. You know, and Billy Joel in his song said, I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life and leave me alone. And of course, this is church, so I won't even dare repeat how Rage Against the Machine phrased it. But this is the cry of the heart. Leave me alone. Don't tell me what to do. Let me do my own thing. I want to do what I want to do. And then, of course, we read through Scripture and we find this incredible contrast to that desire of the human heart. We find this contrast in the life of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus comes along, uh, and in John chapter 5, Jesus says, I do nothing of my own accord. I only do what I see my Father doing. Uh, that's, that was how Jesus lived. We see that again echoed in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is facing the cross. And in that agony, he prays to his heavenly Father and he says, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Take away this coming cross. And then in the very next sentence, Jesus says, yet not what I will, but your will be done. And so there's this contrast. The human heart says, I want to be free. And Jesus says, not my will, your will be done. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them who you thought was more free, Jesus or, uh, or Sinatra? So what exactly is freedom? What is freedom? You know, we've been rethinking freedom. And we began a couple of weeks ago and we started in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And it seems that for many of us, and, and it seems for that desire for freedom, Paul would say that freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. But even as he says that, even as he says true freedom is found in Christ alone, he will go on to say that freedom has boundaries. Freedom has what we would call limitations. If we would really want to be free, we will only experience that freedom under God's authority and under God's uh, framework and ideal. But of course, for some of us, when we kind of go, okay, if I find freedom in, under God, then I've got to follow all the laws. You know, if I, if I obey every single law and I check them all off that I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, well, then I'll be righteous. And then I'll be in good standing before God. And that's what we dealt with last week about freedom from legalism, because no, the law doesn't save us. In fact, the law reveals to us how much we need salvation, we do not find freedom from the law. 
And because I spoke about that last week and kind of said that, you know, those rules and regulations, that's not going to save you. It becomes easy, perhaps, for some people to go, well, if, if I don't need to obey the law, well, then surely I can do whatever I please. Surely I can do whatever I want. I mean, isn't that what Scripture is saying? You might even kind of wonder that yourself. Well, you know, Brian said I don't have to obey the law, uh, and the law won't save me. Well, then I can go ahead and do everything I want. Repeat after me. No. No, you didn't repeat after me. Repeat after me. No. No. We cannot just do whatever we want. Paul answers this for us in Romans chapter 6. I know we're dealing with Paul's letter to Galatians, and we'll get back there in a moment. But Paul answers this in Romans chapter 6. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So no, I don't get to just disobey and do whatever I want because suddenly I'm going to find freedom in that. Not at all. The problem is we humans are a rebellious lot. We want to be autonomous. We want to do our own thing. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. The problem is that autonomy to do our own thing seldomly ends in a good way. You know, we try and avoid pain and discomfort. And we try and avoid kind of those bad and negative experiences. Yet, I would suggest it is precisely because we're not living under God's law and, and following God's freedom that we experience pain and discomfort. It's because we're trying to do it our own way. And the reason we don't experience true life, that abundant life that Jesus came to give us, the, the reason we don't experience that blessing of God is because we've replaced the liberty that God gives us with licentiousness. Now, I know some of you are going, Lice what now? Licentiousness. It's not a word we use too often. Uh, certainly, it's not a word that gets used much outside of church. The similar word to licentiousness is license. Uh, licentiousness simply means wanton disregard or transgression of laws, rules, or moral norms. And so we might talk about needing a license to drive a car. The license is the little piece of paper that says, I have permission to drive my car. If I don't have a license, I can't drive. And, and when it comes to a moral sense, because we think we have this grace and this freedom, we think we therefore have license to do whatever we want. And that leads towards licentiousness, that wanton disregard for moral uh, structure, for the wanton disregard for laws and moral norms. Now, license or licentiousness is not freedom. It's not liberty. Uh, liberty is, is freedom from captivity, Freedom from confinement, freedom from re physical restraint. But one of the, the meanings and definitions of liberty includes this idea of permission to do something. 
So yes, I am free from these limitations, but I'm free with permission. Someone else has granted me the permission to therefore live and to act. And that is what liberty is. I heard it put this way. Liberty is freedom within limits. There are parameters in true liberty. For example, liberty is swinging your arms as much as you want to, but liberty ends where my nose begins. Liberty is fire in the stove, but license is fire burning down the house. Liberty is a river flowing in its bed. License is a flood. Liberty is driving the car. License is running over people. And so as we talk about this idea of freedom, God says to us, I give you freedom, not to do what you want, but I give you freedom. I give you liberty. And of course, we find this in Galatians. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read from verses 13 to 16. It will be up on the screen behind me as well. So Paul is, again, continuing his thought that we picked up in Galatians chapter 5 a few weeks ago about how freedom is found in Christ. Uh, and because we're free, don't become yoked again to a bond of slavery. And so Paul goes on in Galatians 5 verse 13, and he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as, you, as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The human heart cries out, I will do whatever I want. This is not freedom. This is not liberty. This is licentiousness. And licentiousness always leads to death. 
because it's a distortion of the liberty that God gives us. It's a distortion of the freedom. It's a twisting towards evil of the good that God gives us. And as I've said in every sermon along Galatians, and I know I will say for the remainder of them, we are free within limits. It might sound like an oxymoron. I get it. And and I love the, the debate that we have around that. But I believe as I read through Scripture that indeed Christ has come to set me free from all sorts of bonds and chains and restrictions. But Christ says if you want true freedom, then live that freedom within the framework that I give you. And so today as we look at this freedom from not doing whatever we want, I have three thoughts for you this morning as we focus on this. What does it mean to be free truly? And the first thing I think Paul says within this passage of Scripture for us is, we are free to choose our actions, but not the consequences. We are free to choose our actions, but not the consequences. In fact, when Paul says, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Instead, serve one another humbly with love. Paul is saying to us, When you choose what your flesh wants to do, you will reap what your flesh sows. You know, in the Bible, when it uses that word flesh, typically it's speaking about those base human desires or or lusts or kind of, you know, I must have this thing, I must have it. There's no restrictions, I'm going to do whatever I can to get it. It's my flesh is compelled towards this thing with, with no restriction. I could illustrate it like this. Now, you and I both know that the human body only needs so many calories in a day. A couple of months ago, our family had the incredible blessing of being at at a holiday resort, which was all-inclusive. There were buffets everywhere. And man, it is really difficult to stick to your daily calorie limit when there is just food available to you, and you can just go up. My, my flesh says, I must have. My flesh throws off restraint and, and only stops eating once we've gone or once I've gone through gluttony, and, and really, I'm having a picnic on the other side. The flesh needs to be brought under control in that place. Because if the flesh is not brought under control, I'm going to give in to those base animalistic tendencies. And so Paul, with that thought in mind, continues that in Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 8, Paul says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit... From the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so if I go back to that buffet illustration of just eating whatever I want, I'm free to choose to eat whatever I want. But I'm not free to avoid the consequence. You know, kind of unrestrained consumption in the moment might lead to indigestion and and heartburn. But if I keep doing that, if every day I'm going down to the buffet and and every plate that I bring back to my table has 2,000 calories and I keep doing that, eventually my physical body is going to show that unrestrained. 
My physical body is going to display that with all sorts of health issues. And so Paul, when he writes to the churches of Galatia and also writes to us, says, choose, make the right choice, because you're free to make a choice, but you're not free from the consequence of that choice. So will you choose life or will you choose death? Because as final as those two options sound, that is what is at stake. I can choose whatever I want, but I cannot choose the consequence. God says, you choose, you go for it, but you're going to reap what you choose. Maybe this is why God speaks to the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. The choices we make always have consequences. Bad choices will lead to bad consequences. Good choices typically to good consequences. And if you choose the action, you must expect the consequence. In fact, if, if I go back to Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way, if you choose to say, I did it my way, and you do it your way, you will reap the consequence of the flesh. And so Paul, in his letter to Galatia, to the churches spread across Galatia, says, choose the way of God. Choose the freedom that you find in God's ideals and within God's limitations. Choose what the Word of God says on a particular matter. Choose to follow God's counsel as He directs our lives and our actions. Because when I choose that, the consequence is life and blessing. Yet our heart still pulls and our heart still wages war. Our flesh wages war with our spirit because our flesh wants what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants the all-you-can-eat buffet. See the contrast that Paul gives when we read in Galatians 5 a moment ago. Paul gives these two contrasts, and he shows us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, all those kinds of things. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who choose the flesh and the options and the choices of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul contrasts those kind of people with the other side. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why? Because against these things there is no such law. Oh, there is no law, I should say. We are free to choose our actions, but we cannot determine the consequences. Therefore, let's make the right choice. What is the right choice? Well, Paul goes on. The second thought I have this morning is we're free to choose our master, but not the demands. We're free to choose our master, but not the demands. Paul points out to us that either the flesh will be our master or the spirit 
And the Spirit of God will be our master. Really what Paul's doing is he's echoing Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And this is why Paul echoes this in the passage we've just read. Walk by the Spirit so as not to gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Therefore, choose the right master. Now, this is an interesting thought because most people will try and tell you, no one masters me. I am the master of my own destiny. Well, there's the master. The master is self. Others, their master is pleasure. I want to avoid discomfort or boredom or pain, and so I'm going to pursue pleasure and fun and all those kind of things. Other people, their masters might be riches or fame or wealth or accumulating things. Others, their master might be a family member, a spouse or children or, or, or parents or whatever the case might be. You can choose who or what will master you, but you cannot choose the demands that that master expects from you. Every master has a set of demands. Sure, some might seem reasonable and they might seem benevolent, but many times they are not. Let me illustrate it like this. If our master is an addiction of some sort, that addiction will demand money, energy, and time to keep in that addiction. And over time, that, that addiction, that master will demand more and more and more. I realized a really silly little illustration of that this morning as I was making my coffee. You know, I have this little single cup coffee filter machine. It's kind of, it goes with me everywhere. I'm not addicted. I can stop whenever I want. <laughs> but I realized this morning that, you know, a little while ago, when I put coffee, the fresh coffee powder in there, I used to put one scoop. Now I have to put two scoops because my master demands more and more to get the same result. And so if our master is an addiction of some sort, it will keep demanding more. If your choice or your master is an immoral one like pornography or something like that, the demands will keep increasing. The demands for secrecy, for searing of conscience, for the degradation of our own character and soul and the impact on our relationships with others. The master will keep demanding and so Paul, and in fact the whole council of Scripture, is aware of this and says, choose the right master, choose Jesus Christ, because his demands are not burdensome. John writes this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. With God as our master, we can take comfort in the fact that his demands are for our good. His demands can be summed up. Love your neighbor as yourself, which is really a continuation of Jesus saying, love God and love others. That's the greatest command. Therefore, that's the greatest demand from God. Could you imagine how different our world would be if people took seriously the command to love God and love others? This would be a whole different place. 
We're free to choose our actions, but not the consequences. We're free to choose our master, but not the demands. And lastly, we're free to choose our leader, but not the destination. This might sound a little similar to the previous one, but really it's a logical continuation. As I choose my master, so I choose my leader. And if I choose my leader, I cannot choose the destination. My leader will do that. And so instead of using the I can do whatever I want language, Paul, echo, Paul encourages us to walk by the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to lead you and allow the Spirit to choose the destination. And so, as Paul says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Because if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And in, in so doing, Paul really summarizes what I've said last week, connected to what I'm saying this week. We're led out of legalism and the bondage of that one extreme. And we're led out of licentiousness and death on the other side. They're kind of like two deep valleys that, that lead to death. And we're led out of those two places up onto the ridge between the two where there is life and there is grace and there is freedom. If you're led by the Spirit, you're led away from those things, immor immorality, impurity, idolatry, and, and that whole list and everything like that. If you're led by the Spirit, you're led into the place where that fruit begins to manifest and is shown to the world around us. The fruit of love, joy, of peace, patience, and the like. Make no mistake, following the Spirit is demanding. Make no mistake. But then again, following yourself and doing whatever you want is equally demanding. You see, I choose that if we follow the Spirit, we will find life and we will find freedom. But in order to do that, in order to follow the Spirit of God, I have to know the Word of God. I have to spend time in the Word of God. But not only do I spend time in the Word of God and know the Word of God, I've got to obey the Word of God. I've got to do what it says. And then as I obey it and as I do what it says, as I walk in the Spirit, I have to be willing to go where the Spirit leads just like Abraham. I love how the writer to Hebrews sums up Abraham's life in Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a different place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. If I want to follow the Spirit, I must be willing to go where he leads. And I must be willing to follow without hesitation. Just like the disciples who, when Jesus said, follow me, jumped out of their boats and followed Jesus. And we must follow Jesus exclusively. And Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot have two leaders. I, I had experience of this when I worked back in the corporate world. I worked for a particular company, and I was a consultant within information technology. And as a consultant, I got put into, onto a site, uh, and I was working on this site. And I, I got kind of, I started to lose my mind because I had a different boss at this site, and I had a different boss from my actual company. And, and I was working for two people, and both of them had very different demands on what they wanted from me. 
And so I could never please the both of them because I would do what I thought I was supposed to do and this one would get upset. And then I would do what this one wanted from me and this one would get upset. And so I did what any sane person would do in that situation. I resigned. <laughs> Joshua says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You can choose your leader, but not the destination. My brothers and sisters, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. There is true freedom found in Jesus Christ. I don't know what it is you're going through. I don't know the bondage you find yourself in. Perhaps from last week, it's the bondage of legalism, trying to obey all the rules, and you find you just can't. Or perhaps today, it's the, the bondage that is caused because you're trying to do your own thing, and you're trying to live in your own way. I believe Paul would invite both sides to discover that true freedom is found in Jesus Christ. True freedom is found when we choose Christ as our master and when we choose Christ as our leader and we learn to walk in the spirit. Those who try and find their life will lose it. But to those who lose their life for the gospel and for Jesus, they will find. And it's that ultimate oxymoron of scripture it's, it's that tension that we cannot just so easily answer, but it's in that place that we find life and we find true freedom. Let's pray together. Jesus, when I read your word, when I read Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, I'm reminded that every one of us longs to be free. Every one of us longs to find liberty and to, to live in this place of freedom and blessing. Yet so many of us are, are bound in, in spiritual chains, as it were, or these chains we can't necessarily see, but, but we feel them. And we're either bound by legalism thinking we can earn favor, thinking we can please you by doing the right things. Or we're bound because we think we're free to do whatever we want. And whenever we choose to do whatever we want, we discover terrible consequences. Hardening of hearts, destruction of relationships, and there is no blessing, there is no freedom, there is no life in that. And Jesus, you invite us to come out of those two extremes up onto that ridge that you call us to where there is life and freedom and liberty and grace and blessing. You don't promise us that life will be free of troubles. There will still be trouble. But you promise freedom and you promise your presence even in that place. So God, I pray for each person here this morning. I pray for those watching online 
who might desperately desire freedom but have not chosen Christ and who therefore have not found freedom. My brothers and sisters, I encourage you to choose this day. Choose life by choosing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come into this place and fill us with your presence. For we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.